is a wiry, thick-quilted thrush. "'What is the land like?' asked Artigal. "'Scrub and stones, mosses and lichens, "'deep pools with ice covers, frozen rivers. "'There are white creatures there, I've been told, "'that scutter in the snow and hide in halls, "'and slick grey efts in the pools. "'They used to say the lichens were edible, "'if not palatable, all hearsay. I haven't been there. And the whistlers? No one has seen them and lived, said the thrush. Indeed, to hear them is mostly fatal. They fly or glide like grey shadows and make a sound, a sound... A sound? So it is said, a high whistling sound at the extreme edge of what any creature can hear, yet all must hear it. A dog can hear whistles that you hear as disturbed silence, but these creatures have the power to pierce any ear, bird and man, bear and snowcock, even your sleeping stone reptile who appears to be lifeless. Article looked at Draco Silex, who had shown no sign of life since the bale fires of the last village. I could do with his counsel, said Article, if he could be wakened. If the whistlers woke him, said the thrush, you would not live to hear his counsel, and your bones would be picked in an instant. They built a shelter near the last tree and set up their tents before night fell. Noises howled and hummed round them, fine glassy sounds and a regular quavering boom, and the icy blasts of the wind blowing and flowing over the dry rattling twigs of the last tree. There were also shrill notes that could have been whistling human or inhuman. Mark said that he had heard that the porpoises and the dolphins sang to each other in the blue summer waters of the south from which they had come. There is needles and knives in this wind, said Doll Throstle, and talons and claws. They chewed dried meat and sweet dried grapes. Too few, gone too quickly. In the morning, a fine dry snow fell, gusting and eddying in the wind. They could not see very far. They discussed who should scout and who should stay. Mark asked if Artigal's geography books had contained maps of this land. There were a few maps of the Northern Empire, he said, vague, shapeless spaces with a few rivers and many drawings of fabulous beasts with twenty legs or curving claws. It was written, White Waste. I remember one or two trails without issue and arrows pointing out of the page to the north. The pages were very richly decorated, bordered with golden apples and crimson cherries and emerald vine leaves and iron axes and flakes of fire.
Doll Throssel remembered how Mark the page boy had mocked the young prince at the outset with his stories of the books of venery, history, geography, dutifully committed to memory in the study prison of his white tower in the south. And how Artigall's knowledge had led them through forests, and his languages had made it possible to speak to strangers, and his books of tracking and stalking had found food in hard places. And Mark, for his part, had taught Artigall the knack of tickling trout and stealing from bees and chattering like a naive lad to soldiers in inns. And now they were no longer prince and whipping boy and nursemaid, but three leathery, weathered creatures, all muscle and quickened eyes, bundled in borrowed skins. A snake had taught Artigall the language of the beasts, but they were all, dull thought, part of the animal kingdom now. They could melt into woodland like foxes, lie lost in grassland like hares. They could flow along hillsides like wolves. Mark said they could not travel at night using the stars because of the cold. And then they heard, for the first time, in the noises of the wind and the clack of the twigs, the whistle that rose and fell and then rose and rose out of pitch so they knew they were still hearing it, though the sound disturbed only their brains. And Doll's courage failed, and she thought she was a fool and a madwoman to bring two mere boys so far in search of a kingdom that was perhaps only a fantasy out of legend. And Mark thought, numbed, that this time maybe there was no way forward, only snow blindness and frostbite, and behind were the steady hunters beating them out of cover like fowls. And Article thought that the voices were terrible and would destroy the brain in the skull. And then the sound died down and released them. Article had the idea of making little balls of lamb's wool to put in their ears, under their skin hoods. In the morning, the two boys set out, leaving Doll under the thorn. "'If we do not come back within three days,' said Artigall, "'you must turn back. "'The soldiers may not harm you if I am not there.' "'Nonsense,' said Doll. "'I will come after you, whatever may befall. "'I am no mean tracker by now.' "'They found, after a mile or two of careful advance "'over characterless scrub and crackling frost,' that they needed their ears in the ice gloom, both to test brittle crusts over deep crevices and to listen to the land for footfalls, for the snap of branches, for the beat of wings. They found a kind of goat path among the little junipers and ling, which widened into a track. They stumped steadily on. Mark singled out prominent stones along the track, which might be pointers, put there by human hands. The cloud cover was lowering and thickening. 
They examined the stones and found scratches, an arrow perhaps, a bird's foot, three-toed on one and then on another. They decided if they found a third to turn back and fetch doll and their provisions and try this road. A little wind got up and blew ice in their faces in sharp splinters. They could hear singing in this wind. At first, they did not speak of it, taking it for an interior humming that kept time with their footsteps and the beat of blood. Mark said, in the end, Do you hear sweet voices in the wind? So you hear them too. Voices, thin and high, and a kind of flute, or maybe another voice. Maybe an ice equivalent of a mirage in a desert. Maybe the voices of the whistlers. Or the spirits of their victims. They struggled on, and the track became less definite. There were no more markers. The wind pelted them with frozen snow. Mark said, The singing is unbearably sad, unbearably, and fell over in the snow behind Artigal. As Artigal turned, the perfectly pitched music in his head turned to an undulating whistle. He reached to put the bulb of wool in his ears, fumbling with his fur-gloved fingers, before he knelt by his friend.